Don's Pinball Podcast is doing a very special episode today. It's a birthday episode. It's number 105. 105 for me, not quite that old yet, but a slew of stuff to get forward to today, including events which are happening all freaking day long that I can't wait to get into, including an unboxing. I need a little bit more time with that intro music, man. What the heck? Uh, let's bring it back here again. Can somebody help me out? There we go. That sounds better. I ain't playing around today. It's birthday day today, so we're going to do another celebratory episode. And at the time you're probably listening to this, unless you clicked pretty quick, I'm online right now on YouTube doing a live unboxing. I'm just going to give it away. Black Knight Sword of Rage is here. The birthday present unboxings will start right now this morning. Go check it out. It's still up on YouTube. I'll leave it up there for everybody. But I didn't want to wait. I wanted to get an episode out, too, because we got a ton of news to talk about today, including some new tips and rumors and a little speculation from the Pinball Brothers. So we know that Texas Pinball Festival is on its way. It's right around the corner, just a couple of weeks away. I'm getting all everything ready for the, for the giveaways and the, the meet and greets and everything we're going to be doing. Uh, VIP dinners, anybody? What do you want to do? Let me know, donspinballpodcast at gmail.com. I know my friends from Mad Pinball are going to be there. Email Jeff at madpinball.com. Tell him what you want him to be wearing. Uh, should he be in, in shorts and khakis? Uh, is it too early to break out the, the black socks and shorts? It's not quite Memorial Day yet. All that is coming up. Uh, but, you know, get a game from them if you want. Uh, but uh, I was talking to uh, my friend from the Pinball Brothers, or Rudy. He does the uh, social media and marketing. I was perusing the list of uh, attendees for the Texas Pinball Festival, of which they there are a ton, including myself and Balls of Steel. Um, but I was like, hey, man, cool. Pinball Brothers is listed there as exhibiting. Um, wonder what they're going to be bringing. Now, they just brought us yeah, kind of a, a repackaging of one of their recent games, the Alien Alien Ripley version edition, $79.95. A great price for a wide-body game. And I, I think they came out with that version probably for two reasons. One, uh, they were able to get some more of the assets uh, for Sigourney Weaver and put her in the game and kind of make that game feature complete. Um, also a new art package plus it gave them something else to put on the line because to date they've had alien they did queen and then it doesn't seem like they're quite ready yet for their next uh title and they just partnered with these folks in italy for a brand new production facility so why not you know drum up some more business for alien you have the license you got even more of the license so that's what they did but I got to see that as a stopgap measure because I know they have some more products that are coming out. So I reached out to my boy there online and I'm like, hey, I see you're going to be at TPF. What are you guys bringing? Um, Well, Rudy's tied up with some projects right now, so he's not going to be there in person. So something's going on back at the home factory. I love that. They're working on something there. Cool. Uh, They will be represented on site, though, from somebody from the company. Uh, They didn't have enough time to ship any games, though. Now, at at, uh, Pinball Expo, they had a lot of aliens out there. The Ripley version was there. The Topper was there. Queens were there. Hopefully, there's a local distro that's going to bring some games. I want to get some more time on Queen. I felt like with everything that was going on at Pinball Expo, I didn't get as much time on that as I wanted. So, hopefully, that'll be back there. We'll get some more Queen time. But... We're not going to see their brand new game. So there's some confirmation. I know everybody's let down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just reporting the news. 
<laughs> to you as I see it. Um, but uh, I'll just reiterate what we have heard from them. Um, I've heard a couple of things. Uh, all of this is rocky rumors. Nothing is substantiated. But the, of, the, of the unsubstantiated, the most or the least unsubstantiated of this was that a music pin is coming. And then the next layer down in uncertainty from that was that it was a European licensed music band, which I'm hyped about. I mean, this is a European pinball company. That totally makes sense. And in my heart... I would love to have a Rammstein or a Ghost Machine. Both European bands uh, would love it. Um, but I don't think that's what's going to happen because as reported prior, back in the time of Expo from the Paris Pinball Addict, uh, the European music license that's supposed to be coming out from the Pinball Brothers is 70s classic disco darling, not uh, not Donna Summer. We're talking about ABBA, ABBA. The Swedish teens with with the piercing earworms, and I gotta say that I'm I, I hope they're they're doing their market research in Europe. Maybe it's bigger um, over there now. Uh, ABBA, of course, sold tons of records back in the '70s. Their music is everywhere. Everywhere, everybody knows that license. Everybody knows the music. Uh, how you feel about the Dancing Queen? Yeah, that, that's up to each individual person. I kind of, I kind of can't. It's like knives in my ear when I listen to to ABBA music, and I like the the kind of obscure '70s stuff. I unironically love me some Bee Gees. You know, I've discovered them kind of later in life, um, and you know, in antiquity, it was seen as probably the music you wouldn't want to be associated with unless you were in that disco scene. I would have been, you know, with a, a, a denim jacket and some scorpions patches on it, and I would have been all disco sucks or whatever. Uh, but looking back on it now, uh, the the beaches are so absurd. Um, that falsetto voice from Barry Gibb is just, it, it's insane that not only was that popular, but incredibly hugely popular and like like the greatest band of the decade uh, as far as, you know, sales and popularity. Nuts to me. And so it's fun to go back and listen to that now just because of how absurd it is. And I love it. I love me some Bee Gees. ABBA, on the other hand, is, is, is like, like if there was a way to make white bread even more bland, uh, that's kind of where I would put that. It's like, I, I can't even ironically get in on that. Now, um, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, uh, my big fat Greek wedding, wasn't that kind of like a stage adaptation with some ABBA music in it? Um, so maybe ABBA is a code name and we have something else that's coming out. Or maybe they're they're legit just going to dead ass give us an ABBA pinball machine. And if Queen didn't reach the heights of audience interaction and adoption. I'm not sure what ABBA's going to accomplish. Um, you know, not that older music themes can't be great. Elton John's fantastic. Um, as far as lights in a box and shots, uh, gameplay and code wise, there's not much of an adventure there, but there's, it's, it's, it's got cool mechanisms and, 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 and mind boggling, uh, fit and finish and, and lights and everything. Um, so you know, maybe they'll surprise us. Who's making this though? That's the rumor. I haven't even heard anything rumored about who's designing this layout. Um, uh, what they've done before is this like uh, you know designed in committee? Is this uh, some other project that's been kicking around for a while? You know, was uh, was this something from you know the the back catalog of Deep Root that they were six games away from you know bilking elderly money out of the retirement funds to try to to, to bring out a subarement scheme? You know, or what? That I have not heard. So. Uh, I haven't heard, and Pinball Brothers is not telling me, but they will tell me that they do have a new game coming relatively soon, like like this year is kind of the sense that I get. Of course, nothing substantiated, uh, but that's what I'm hearing. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful for Pinball Brothers. You know, we've got some big tier uh, uh, pinball, I think, you know, the big three pinball manufacturers right now. We got Stern, JJP, Spooky. 
Um, and then the next tier down from that, Pinball Brothers solidly in that space. You know, Haggis is kind of falling out of favor, especially with their delays on top of their delays. You know, CGC makes good games, but are very hampered by their output. Um, so I think Pinball Brothers could be that nice little kind of mid-range there. You know, they're not the big three. But they're doing licensed themes. I guess throw American Pinball in there too. Um, but they're doing licensed themes. So I guess if uh, American Pinball is is the American version of the company, Pinball Brothers I see is kind of a counterpart as far as scope and scale, and, you know, and production. Um, but I like that Pinball Brothers is bringing the licensed themes. Uh, we'll have to see what uh, American Pinball has for us later. I mentioned on a previous podcast, and we'll rehash it again. But AP will have. Uh, Brand new game in all likelihood uh, at TPF uh, from what you know rumors I've been hearing and you know timing wise that seems to work out one year from when GTF came out so we'll look for that all signs are pointing to an original theme uh, we'll see what they bring and we'll see what uh, Pinball Brothers bring but we'll have to probably wait a few more months um, but that's fine hopefully somebody will drag in a Ripley edition somebody will drag in some Queens so we can still get some time on some PB games <laughs> on site. Uh, one other thing, where is the alien topper? Well, it's it's in licensing hell right now. Well, not not hell like it's never going to happen, but it's like you know, it, it's the timing and the approval that's completely out of their hands. You know, Lior's created and sculpted this magnificent monster that sits on top of the game. It looks like a great diorama as it is. I saw it in person at Expo. Um, it fits around the beacon lights that go up on top of the alien machine, uh, but it's still not available, and that's because the licensor has to approve it. That licensor is Disney um, so definitely not you know like an obscure family member that happens to own these rights and is really you know picky on details uh, it's a conglomerate that's you know really built to license their themes and make money uh, so hopefully that'll come out soon for all the alien owners because I know if I had myself an Ellen Ripley edition I would want to have that that big gigantic gargoyle looking alien up on top of it. it the tail moves back and forth and it's got the beacons it looks cool it looks cool um a lot of the fine detail i don't think you can even see once it's up on top of the machine but it's there nonetheless so we'll wait and see about that what else do i have to talk about here we had another game that was released uh within the last week the princess bride was been has been revealed the pricing is out there and we also got the gameplay stream and you know a couple days after the announcement you can now order one so we got there everybody we got there round of applause for everybody so I sat and I watched uh, uh, this two-hour stream. I didn't watch the entire two hours. You know, I watched the first 45 minutes, and then I started skipping around. Uh, You know, I got a good sense on everything. I even drew myself a little bit of a layout, and this is something that I don't think I've done since the Foo Fighters reveal, and that's kind of go over a shot-for-shot first impressions. Uh, So I've uh, looked at the pictures, you know, went through Kineticist with Nap Arcade. I've gone to uh, uh, the live stream itself and kind of watched, and I got a sense on what's going on in this back third of a module. Of course, it's for the Multimorphics P3 system. It's the interchangeable back third of the play field uh, that you can swap in and out, and you can pull... uh Say Elton John, you can pull your Weird Al out, drop Princess Bride in there. You're still going to get the same wireforms, the same bottom two thirds. Um, but you know, instead of looking back at Final Resistance, you're looking back at uh, you know the Guild of Frontier. So I counted eleven things to shoot at um, in in a roughly fan layout at the back of the playfield. Uh, three of those are stand up targets, so it gives us uh, you know about eight you know standard things to shoot with balls. Um, starting over at the left is one of the main ramps. There's there's two main ramps to this game. The leftward one goes up into a 180 horseshoe and feeds the left ramp. Uh, goes through that castle. Um, it also has this little integrated flap in it. Now, if you haven't played a P3 multimorphic machine, uh, they have launch buttons. They don't have launch plungers and that's because the ball doesn't even plunge from the right lower quadrant of the machine like 
every pinball machine that we have. Um, instead, you push the button, and the balls are actually stored in a trough, like, towards the back. And then the, there's, like, 16 balls in this dang thing back there. You hit a button, and they generally, like, tumble out of the play field somewhere from the back left quadrant. Um, almost like, you know, you hit the button, and then, you know, the, the, the dripping toilet releases, and the ball kind of tumbles down. I don't want no, no, not to call it a toilet of a game, but it's like a, it's like a slow dribble <laughs> that the ball comes out. I think it's ejected through a vuck. In this case, it comes up through this little flap on that leftward ramp. And then I think it kicks into the castle, comes down the wire form. And that's how you start the game. You know, you push the button, and then the ball is in play. So it's accomplishing its purpose. Um, but I, I love that idea of, like, I'm launching a ball into the game. Like, let's get going. Let's, you know, vary our, our speed that we throw it out there. You know, I'm not a fan of launch buttons. I like plungers. Um, this will be a bit of a first impressions and a rant, too. <laughs> Just so you can see kind of where I'm at with this. Um you know, but that first ramp, uh, you know, shoots up to the left. That's also where the balls will come out into the game. They come tumble down the uh, left wire form. Um, it'll come out. Uh, there's a little sword mechanism outside of the front of the castle, just past the portcullis, where they kind of come down with this little clang sound. It's cool. I like that mechanism. Um, it'd be fun, like, with lightsabers or something. You know, in this case, we have swords because we've got a medieval game here. Uh, next to that is the uh, orbit shot. So the orbit shot is not the leftward shot. Uh, it's the second one from the left. Um, and so that one will swoop around behind Miracle maxes kind of come around the the uh the the tall cliffs of insanity there on the right and then comes down and feeds through the spinner um and essentially joins up with where the right orbit shot is uh next to that you've got miracle maxes uh, looks like there's a, a drop target and a vuck right in front of it you know so balls go in there balls eject i think that's how you qualify modes or something um i got a little lost there in the gameplay you know, i was basically mesmerized by everything going on in the the virtual play field at the lower two-thirds uh next to that you have a captive ball which goes back and hits a target that's cool and then you have the main ramp of the game the big one in the middle the big wide body ramp um, that one uh, goes up, shoots around, and looks like it dumps back into uh, the right orbit from what I can see. Um, yeah, maybe wrong there, but that's where I was. Uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It feeds around. In, I'm trying to look. In my defense, I'm looking at my, my hand-drawn drawing schematic that I was making as I was watching this. No, it, that's the ramp that feeds the right wire form. I'm sorry. It goes down to the right flipper. Forgive me. Forgive me. I had some crossing paths here. Um, you know, so that's a main shot there. It goes up into the wire form. I don't know that it really does much else there. I, I didn't see if there was a, you know, any diverting post or something that locks back there. I know there is a mode in the game where the, you get a two-ball, multi-ball, and the balls need to meet and kiss. And so I think you shoot a ball up one of the ramps or something, and it locks somewhere, and then there's another shot where the other one go together. So when they kiss together, then that qualifies the mode or something. Maybe that's a, you know, into there. Um, next to that, we got a stand-up target, the uh, first of the three that you can shoot at at the back. Uh, then we got the cool big you know mech of the game, the, uh, the magnet-crawling Cliffs of Insanity. Um, love it. This is great. I love magnets in games. This is a great magnet. This is a cool effect. I'm glad this is in there. It adds some vertical dimensionality to the game as well um, and some fun little hurry-up moments. So there's a drop target in front of it. I'm sure you'll have to hit that to qualify or maybe if it's your second time. Uh, but Ball will go back up there and it'll start working its way up there as you're playing the mode the shots that you make you know they, they release uh, little audio call outs from the scene of the movie and then the ball slowly makes its way up there and then goes on and does some other fun stuff now from there it looks like the ball can be staged up there and then can tumble out to the short little wire form that dumps out just past the portcullis of the castle and then comes down the uh, leftward wire form uh, so that's that there. Uh, the only other shots in the game are both right orbit shots. Uh, the first one is one that you can hit from that uh, left upper flipper, kind of crosses over and merges right into that orbit to exit on the left orbit. 
Um, the other one is straight up through the spinner and then kind of merges in the same area. So there's the game shot wise. Um, so uh, I love what they've done with uh, integrating the movie into the themes. Um, I've gotten my first impressions of it. I can't wait to play this game. I am waiting to order this game. I don't have one ordered. Um, you know, I still haven't. I've been impressed by the technology uh, and and what they've been able to put together for this product and this platform. You know, I respect what they're doing with it. Um, it comes down to my enthusiasm for the platform and for the products and that weighed against directly with the price and, you know, what else I could do with that price. And then it's basically a decision on, you know, do you want one of these machines or would you take a new inbox Elton John Platinum? And it's like, uh, you know, I think given the option, I, I think I, I'd, I'd grab an Elton John. Of course, if it was lower in price, uh, that would certainly weigh into it. You know, would you rather have, you know, a fully loaded multimorphic machine for $8,000 or spend 12000 for an Elton John? Well, that would tip it back in the favor of the P3, of course. Now, um, you know... You know, price is the great equalizer here. Uh, I'm not saying that necessarily that their machine is overpriced, though. I don't want to give that impression. Uh, this there's a lot that's in this machine. Um, I've seen some videos. I've seen it in person. Lifted the the playfield glass or however it slides out. I've looked at all the mechanisms, the servos lifting up the little clear acrylic butyrate pillboxes with this little scoops. Like there's a lot mechanistically that's in here. A lot of servo motors. There's 16 balls. You got to factor in that cost. (laughs) There's a full size cabinet. You know, there's screens, there's wires. There's like miles of wires in these things. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think their, their build of materials probably comes in at around here. Like this is the price they need to market it at in order to have a profitable company. You know, I don't definitely don't think they're gouging. They're not building these things for $1,500 and then charging 11,000. I don't think that's the case. Um, so the price is what the price is. If the value is in it, if you see the value in it, then it makes a pretty easy decision and you may already own one of these things. If you're like me and you haven't quite seen that value, um, you don't have one. But I will say that if they keep coming out with banger themes like this, if they get four of these together, that would really make people think once or twice or thrice about, you know, maybe going in on one of these. Um, So I don't have one ordered. I don't have one pre-ordered. If I had the platform already, I think I'd be in this, at least for the standard. Um, Of course, the the limited edition version uh, goes for $5,000. Let's go to the pricing. I have all that broken down here. Uh, So... I talked about the cost, talked about the gameplay, scope of the game. I'll get to that in a second. Um, review on prices. So if you don't own one of these, your price is just a recap. I guess you have to look them up. 11005 for the standard, 12750 for the limited edition, and then they have that collector's top-end edition for 13750 50 looks like um so there's a, a $1250 spread between the base and the mid tier and then for an extra 1000 bucks you can jump up to that top tier what the top tier gets you is a little bit of uh decorations basically i think you get some kind of bezel around the uh, back glass screen and you get those swords on the side so if that's important to you there you go you get some powder coated armor as well you know a $200 value there it is um so yeah th- that's kind of it now if you've already got the machine you can't get the swords unless you sell your machine and buy the collector's one they don't sell the swords separately it'd be kind of cool if they did be a lot cooler if you did um but as for now they don't 
Uh, but there's a price. Price of the modules themselves, if you already have this platform, or if you're a crazy person and just want to have a third of a gameplay play field to sit on the floor, uh, crisscross applesauce, and throw balls at it if you want, $37.50 is the price is going to get you that standard version. Uh, $5,000 for the limited, which will come with um, you know extra art and things. The gameplay field itself is the same among all the versions. Um, and so that's one of the other things that I'm getting at. So $37.50 for this module. What else could you get for that uh well you could go and get yourself a popeye saves the the, the planet or, or something of that tier get yourself a fire maybe even the champagne version if you want um but you know you're not going to get a new inbox stern pro for 3750 you're going to pay 6900 so you're you know another 2500 to 3000 dollars to jump up to a full-size commercial stern machine um you know, so you're paying about 60% of the cost of a base model Stern, you know, just to go for the play field itself. And not even the limited one, just the regular one. I mean, $3,750, pretty close to $4,000, pretty close to about 55 60% of the cost of a Stern Pro. Um, and if you want a Venom, <laughs> maybe even uh, uh, neck and neck. Oh, um, you know, so when I look at this thing, and then I look at the you know what you get with a Stern game. Uh, they seem to be fairly comparable in, in where it comes to plastics and sculpts and things. You know, usually if you want a sculpt, you need to go to a to an upper level version. So here's where I'm at. I know I've been rambling a bit. The playfield design for the module itself looks fine. Um, you know, I think they took good advantage of that entire area there. It's not a complicated mechanistic knot of ball pass and things like uh, what I think of Weird Al. Weird Al, I, I, it feels more like how the Godfather is towards the back where there's all these little different little areas to go to. Uh, uh, Princess Brian sees way more straightforward. Um, what it's missing, though, is uh, is any kind of like three-dimensionality, right? Uh, there's been a lot of people that have been comparing this game and its theme right up against a recent theme from Barrels of Fun, Labyrinth. Um, these are both films from the 80s, both fantasy and scope, both kind of hit that same nostalgia, the same person that's into labyrinth is probably the same person that would be into princess bride um some more one way some more the other way i love them both i think i actually like princess bride much more than i do labyrinth although there's still room in my heart for both of them there i'm much more nostalgic personally for princess bride that being the movie we had on vhs and the one that we would watch whenever you got that hbo free preview back in the day um, so I, you know, I would be absolutely in on a machine if this was a full featured, you know, game that was coming from, you know, uh, barrels of fun or something. Um, so that's kind of where I am with the theme. I love it. Um, what you get though, with a, uh, barrels of fun machine at $10,600 is a lot of three dimensional sculpts. So these sculpted pieces, uh, what they are is injection molded, um, for the most part, which means that you have, uh, you know, a metal form that needs to be custom made and then it's injected with hot plastic and then it released. If you, uh, want to get one of these things though, you've got to make the die. You've got to make the, uh, the actual press, the mold for the figures. Uh, now when you go to scale, if you were going to make, say, 200,000 Happy Meal toys uh, that were injection molded, then, you know, the $10,000 cost to come up with that original mold is kind of absorbed over the units of 200,000 little things that you're putting out, cake toppers, army men, whatever it is that you're making injection molded. When you're looking at making, you know, a thousand pinball machines, though, it, it's really hard to justify that cost, you know. Um, when we look at Scooby-Doo, that collector's edition has like four or five different sculpts in it that were all individually made like there's a lot of money that goes into that you know there's probably six figures just in tooling to make those molds before you even get one sculpt back um so i you know i get that 
Um, when I look at something like uh, Princess Bride, everything they have, the castle, the Cliffs of Insanity, Miracle Max's cabin down there, the swords, all of those could be wildly awesome three-dimensional sculpts. Um, and they're all made with basically stacked and, and organized plastics, you know, like a house of cards kind of put together. It's all very two-dimensional. It's all very Stern Pro. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, an Iron Maiden premium or LE and you get the sculpted characters and when you jump down to the pros, even for Deadpool, you get the flat plastics. Uh, that's the reason why, cause there's, there's cost involved in those. Um, now the unit cost for making a, a the sculpted figure itself isn't great. It's the tooling that you have to do to come up with that. That tooling reason is the reason why when you see something like Jersey Jack's Toy Story 4, we all got what we call the cake toppers, right? You know, these are all characters that have already not only been approved by the licensor, but the tooling already exists for them and they're available. And, you know, you can't even, you don't even have to give it a second thought. You want sculpted figures in your game. They're already made. They're already approved. They're already done. Move on to the next thing. Versus, you know, what it would cost to come up with individual tooling for each one of those Buzz Lightyear characters, you know, in Toy Story 4, just to put his arm in a different position that would then need to go back to Disney, back to licensing approval, back to get out, just to get a figure that's not much different than what you could already get off the shelf. You know, I get it. That would have been a much more imagination if it was all custom, but it's not. But that's the reason why that is why it is. Um so what I'm what I'm trying to get at is 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 it is expensive to do sculpted things. Like if we had a sculpted castle, sculpted sword, sculpted Miracle Max cabin, sculpted Cliffs of Insanity, it would look completely amazing and we would see a lot more value in that game. It'd be a lot more of a world you would want to play in, uh, but a lot of cost would come with that. Uh, now we see a different approach, uh, when it comes to uh, a company like American pinball and galactic tank force, they have three dimensional, you know, sculpted toys that are in the game, but they were 3d printed. You can see the 3d print layer lines. It's not a secret. When we saw the factory tour videos, we saw the, the, the printer farm that they had there, you know, right next to where they had all the props that they were recording the green screen stuff for the game. Um, so back in the day, there would have been an absolute kind of you know budget view that you would have gotten or a feel if you would have seen a game with 3D prints. You would have thought, okay, 3D printed stuff and, and glue sticks and hot glue, that's how they put this game together. This game doesn't have that much value. What I will say is there have been huge leaps in progress and resolution and quality of prints that you get with filament printers than you had back in the day necessarily. I've got a consumer-grade... Um, uh, product right now uh, is the bamboo xc1 it is churning out amazing content <laughs> the prints that i do out of there um you know it, it, even uh, mod makers now are using a lot of 3d printed uh things to build their shooter rods to build things build buildings and they're coming out looking at comparable to what you would get as a, a sculpted injection molded product um if you have a good you know, printer, and it doesn't even have to be like a $10,000 printer. Mine was $1,600, no discounts, and it's putting out awesome, amazing content with, uh, you know, multiple different colors simultaneously. It's, it's amazing. Um, but if you get a good 3D printed model now, and you take that model and you sand it and you get it painted, clear-coated, it's almost, it's just about indistinguishable from, from a sculpt, um, in, in my eyes, from what I've seen. If you look at recent games like, uh, uh, Turner Pinball's Ninja Eclipse, the giant, uh, you know, kind of Asian themed castle in the back left of the play field, take a look at that. That's a 3D printed model that's then hand painted, clear coated, and put in the game. Um, and you know, when you're looking at making a hundred ninja eclipses, it makes no sense to spend five figures getting tooling done for one sculpt in your game when you can make something that's like 95% there on an FDM printer. Right. Uh, so uh, I think, you know, 
for for multimorphic making sculpts might not really fit in with, because of everything else that they have going on and what they need to be with pricing. But looking at 3D printing and, and sanding and uh, painting, I think that would have added a lot more uh, dimensionality. And then I think looking at the thing, as long as there's not visible visible layer lines, you know, um, if they did some quality 3D printing, I think, I think that would be doable and we would have more of that kind of world to be more comparable to something like where they went just balls out with uh, barrels of fun with, with the sculpted 3D villages um in labyrinth so uh, that's kind of where i'm at there uh so i think you know uh it, it looks like a good product if you've got a p3 multi-market i'm sure you've gone in on one i can't wait to go play this game um at the texas pinball festival um those are some of my views on it and and the scope of it so you know does that make sense for you uh either we no matter what edition you go with um you know they do come with uh, you know some side graphics you can even get powder coated armor if you get that you know collector's edition but there's still no art blades that are available um there's no plunger on the machine you still have the kind of you know the, the dribble button to get your game to get your balls out there and there's no sculpts it's all a plastic so that's kind of my first impressions of it. I'll have more once I play the game. I can't wait to play it. Maybe I'll get to meet some of the team over there and give them a pat on the back for the great job they did bringing this thing to market and nabbing this awesome license. Now, if right now we lived in a world where you had to choice between uh, Weird Al's uh, Museum of Natural Hilarity and Final Resistance and Princess Bride and Gremlins and Goonies, I think... That would be hard to resist that. You know, then that would make a whole lot more sense. Um, you know, when I'm looking at Lexi Lightspeed and go-kart racing and uh, cosmic kart racing and heist, all original themes, you know, all, all fun to play, but, like, they don't, like, have that drive that these new licenses do. I would love to see this as the direction that they take off in. All right, what else do we have? Oh, let's take a moment and uh, celebrate what's going to be going on today. Today is my birthday. It's February 27th. I am a Pisces. I'm very excited about this. Um, this is going to be a day of unboxing. Sitting over in the unboxing dojo right now is a Black Knight Sword of Rage inside of a Foo Fighters box, and as of the time of this recording, I'm just about ready to go over there and saw that thing open. Later on today, also on YouTube, tonight will be another special unboxing do not miss this one. This one is going to be amazing. This one's going to be special effects, special guests, a special surprises. I can't wait to, to pop out what's going to come out of the box there. What's in the box? What's in the box? So be sure to check that out. Uh, that will be tonight. That will be on YouTube. If you are listening to this a couple days later, because that's the magic of podcasting and how it works, uh, go check it out on the YouTube. You know, put me in your headphones and listen to the fun while you're on the airplane, you know, waiting for a public bathroom to open. I don't know what you're doing, silly person. Um, but those are all options for you, so go check that out. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, I would like to launch a new segment of the show. Uh, something I call a uh, pinball market segment. I think it might catch on. So um, I was sitting there at work last night and I was playing some Rush music because I'm 40 years old now. And I was thinking, man, I do love that Rush music. I do love that Rush pinball machine. Now, I had myself a limited edition, and then it got to the point that new games were coming. It was fun, but it, I wasn't playing it as much as I was. I loved it, but I was like, you know what? I think I would love something new more than I would love keeping this game. So I went ahead and sold um, my my Rush LE. 
Man, what a fantastic looking game that was. I'm glad I had it. I'm glad I went with the LE. I had the expression lights. I had the full rush experience for like a solid almost of a year. Um, and then I sold it. And part of the reason reasoning that I led me to sell it was the fact that if I do want to get this game back again, I know I'll be able to get it. And I could even downgrade, go with the premium and still have that same layout. Um, by then, the expression lights will be available and then I can come in a little bit cheaper. So that's what I was thinking. So last night, as I was listening to some Tom Sawyer, I was thinking, let me go check out the market and see where Rush premiums are at. You know, given that, you know, Venoms and uh, Foo Fighters are just all over the place, you know, for thousands off of what they cost before, you know, maybe I could just, you know, walk into a a, a premium for, you know, $6,200 or something with some mods in it or something. So imagine my surprise, dear listener, when I get onto Pinside and there are a grand total of two Rush premiums on the marketplace right now. Two. That's it. That's all that was out there. I remember when this game was still in production, there was new in-box ones for less than MSRP, like kind of all over the place. And I was like, ah, cool, perfect. You know, it's Rush. It's kind of a niche theme. It's a music pin. It's not, you know, an Elwin. I'll be able to get this at some point. And then for some reason, they terminated the production fairly early. And then that may be factoring into this. So for fun, I went through and I, I looked at uh, Rush and all three of its tiers and how many are available. And then I, I, I put that against the most recent music pin release, Foo Fighters, uh, the Jack Danger Amazing Dead Post game. Um, and just to see, like, what is the state of the market when it comes to machines? What's available and kind of what are the pricings? Uh, so starting with Rush Pro, I went there. There are four Rush Pros available all right now on Pinside. That's it. And I think one of them is pending sale. So three to four, and, and that's it. That's what the heck? That's only three or four more than Black Knight Sword of Rage, which is like impossible to find. Um, I looked at Foo Fighters, 16. There are 16 Foo Fighters available in the pro version uh, right now on Pinside, and all are available cheaper than MSRP. A lot of them have mods, art blades. They've been taken care of. They don't have shooter rods or topics because those aren't out yet, um, but uh, I was just kind of taken aback by that, and I think that speaks to either the popularity of the Rush theme or the quantity of games produced. Now, Rush has finished its run. It's complete. They're not making any more. So however they've made is how many they're going to make, barring any re-releases you know, or renewals of the contract. Foo Fighters still in production. Um, so as of right now, it still hasn't been a full year since Foo Fighters released, but Rush has been out for more than that. So I would think that there would still be more Rushes out in the wild than Foo Fighters. So is it that uh, you know maybe our, our appetites aren't as long as they are and people are looking at, at flipping games? I mean, I certainly did with my Foo Fighters premium. Um, is that why there's more on the market? Or, 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 or is it that people are kind of hanging on to Rush more because the people that have it really love it and it's like one of their forever games? But that was amazing to me. Uh, Rush Premium, two premiums available. Uh, Foo Fighters Premium right now, 24 are available. All listed for at or below MSRP. The ones that are MSRP are, tend to be the ones that are still new in box from distributors, ready to go. Um, otherwise, there's modded ones available, just like mine was. Mine was stellar, and I think I sold it for 8200 bucks or something crazy like that. Uh, I'm a giver, man. Uh, no, no topper with it. Well, there was an aftermarket topper, not an official Stern topper. Uh, but 24 versus two, two Rush premiums. Um, that struck me. When it gets to the LE, it's kind of funny. There's 10 Rush LEs and there's 10 Foo Fighter LEs right now. Uh, both were runs of a thousand. So, I mean, when it comes to that tier, it, it evens out. But uh, I was kind of amazed. So I decided to look more. You know, I decided to pick another title, more from the antiquity, from the time period 
of Rush. Uh, so I went with Mandalorian. Uh, it came out a little bit before Rush did, but still kind of right in that same region, uh, kind of back during the heat of COVID, not, not a post-COVID release like Foo Fighters. And Mandalorian Pros, 12 available. Premiums, 20 Mandalorian premiums are available. Um, but for some reason, Rush, we're, we're at four and two, and that's it for pros and premiums. Uh, LEs, there were uh, five Mandalorian LEs last night when I checked on Pinside. Uh, and they had a smaller production run, only 750 are out there. Uh, but that was interesting. Uh, I looked up one more game uh, that is also a little bit more desirable now than it was when it came out, and that is Stern Pinball's Monsters. Um, this is a game that is not, you know, shattering any records when it comes to layout, you know, as far as uh, intricacy of shots or interesting mechanisms. There's a bash toy, there's a magnet, um, there's a, an, an orbit, uh, there's two ramps, one of which is just a 360 ramp that kind of comes right back at you. It's not terribly interesting, but there's kind of a really sweet theme and an awesome some lower play field grandpa's dungeon the, the, the theme though is great man if you're into monsters at all like i am um there's even that uh that, that paul wynn-esque voice in there charge the zap meter like like i love that it's got sitcom it's got canned laughter um that machine pro premium le i looked at the numbers uh, uh three six and three is where we come in and interestingly the price for the premiums is right around the same price as the LE, especially if you want that sweet black and white edition. Um, so I, I think what's happening here is uh, both of these games, Rush and Munsters, probably weren't huge sellers. They had their fans, um, but because of, in the case of Munsters, the layout was a little light. In the case of Rush, it's Canadian rock band. You know, there's not like a story driving it. And even though the callouts are amazing, and if you appreciate Rush at all, it's an amazing, amazing game. Uh, both of these titles seemed a bit more niche, and I think people were just holding back, waiting for other releases. You know, when Rush was available, so was Godzilla. You know, so like, which one would you get if you were the general pinball buying public? And I think that's what happened. Um, Monsters was a little bit of an earlier release before the big surge with COVID, so the game came out, it sold what it sold, and then it was retired, and that's kind of where we're at. So now, uh, there's not a whole lot of these games available circulating on on the market for sale and i think that's what's driving you know the fact that there's just not that many rush premiums so what the heck am i to do man uh i, I thought i was just going to be able to backflip right into a you know fifty five hundred dollar rush premium that's been sitting there for you know eight months the guy's wife wants him to get this machine out of the house i can come by with a cash deal pick it up today or something or maybe it's been rotting on a loading dock at a distributor's warehouse and they just can't wait to get rid of this thing but that doesn't seem to be the case when it comes to rush um now in the case of monsters i still have feelings that this game may be ripe. Uh, given So here's the other difference. Um, Rush is low in availability, but its price isn't crazy. I mean, you know, its prices are going for around what MSRP was. Monsters, though, is going for quite a bit more than its MSRP and quite a bit more than even contemporary games new in box now. The premiums for Monsters are going for five digits. You know, you can't get a $9,000 Monster premium. Uh, you know, uh, the Monster LEs are going for big prices. Even the Pros are still kind of, you know, around the, the price of a Pro now, not the Pro then. Um, so I think Monsters would be a title that if I was stern and I had a little gap in the schedule and I had some good licensing ties and I could just say, hey, what about another run of 500? Um, I think coming out with premium, black and white edition, uh, special edition, because you won't do any more LEs, but come out with that, rerun that topper. I think that's a way to get to some market gold for Monsters, and I would be very tempted there. You know, I'm not a quite at the tipping point, uh, you know, for dumping my whole bucket onto a uh, Princess Bride, but I think I would be able to be talked into a Monsters, especially if that topper was available. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine? We'd all charge our zap meters together. It'd be awesome. Uh, so thanks for joining me. There'll be even more content coming later today. It's my birthday, y'all. Um, jump in. It's going to be a good time. Where's What the heck? Where's my button? We're still out here podcasting, man. We're still celebrating. We're having a great time. TTF is going to be amazing. I got even more fun stuff to do today. I can't wait. We're doing a double unboxing. One now, one later. Don't miss them. And if you do, they're still there on YouTube. Email me, donscotopodcast.gmail.com. Jump on the Patreon. Be a homie. Buy some mods. Get hype. Get it.